Hello, welcome to Mama's Nightmare. Come join us as we talk about anything from moms that murder to family murderers, kids being kidnapped and or murdered, or even being killers, which are all a Mama's Nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia, and we're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today we're going to be talking about the murder of Annie Kaspersack. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and a grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app, and I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a stay-at-home mom of three who just started listening to true crime podcasts but like watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. I'm the one that suggested that we start a podcast since I love to discuss these nightmares and, of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. Today, we're going to be discussing a mama's nightmare of when your teenage daughter is not in her room and you find a note that says, I'm running away and don't go looking for me. Trigger warnings for this episode are child murder. Thanks for joining us. Now, let's grab some of those french fries and some fry sauce and let's talk about a nightmare. Oh, I All really right. wish I hadn't mentioned the so, french fries and fry sauce because I haven't had lunch. I know I'm hungry. I kind of want some too. I had a, I had a ramen, so, but I'm sick. I have a cold, I think. My daughter gave it to me. Yeah. It's been wonderful. So, y'all passing need the a little something around. warm on my throat. Yeah. Well, you know, sharing is caring. That's right. Caring yeah, household. She over cares. <laughs> yep. She cares about she her mama directly into my everything. face. <laughs> yeah. Coughed. She still does. She's going <laughs> all in my face. I'm like, stop, stop! You don't do that. Mm. <sighs> when you're three, you do. When you're three, you do, evidently. Yep. So, this one is um, done in Utah. And it actually has a good bit of stuff. So, y'all want to go ahead and just kind of jump in? First off, do we have any, have we had any listeners in Utah? Um, I think I it believe seems we like have they had a couple. Yeah, so maybe we've got a yeah, couple of them. Maybe couple, they'll know so. something about it and... Maybe they can leave a comment or something on one of our pictures at the in, on Instagram or something. Yeah, hopefully I do have a good a good bit of pictures for this one. But um, yeah, I mean, her, I didn't do anything stupid like lock my keys in my car or anything this week. So I think we should just jump right in. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I know I haven't done anything crazy either this week. Look at us, been pretty tame Moving around. Run right along. Besides the whole, my kid giving me the crud. Yeah, well. So, sorry if I do sound a little nasally today. That's just how it goes. But, um, this is Annie Grace Kasperzak. Her real name is Anna. Or, I'm sorry, Anne Grace Kasperzak. She goes by Annie. She was born on January 10th, 1997. She was born into an abusive family and was put into the system at a very young age. Um, her mother was abusing drugs and had to give up all of her children. Uh, well, all in t says that there was more than just Annie? There was more than just Annie, but I believe she was one of the older ones. Okay. So she never got 
she got bounced around a little bit. You know how the system goes. Well, and that's sad, um, too, because if she was the older, if she was one of the older ones and there were younger ones and that such, so she was separated from her siblings, and too, and that's a tough thing for a kid. It said something about her having five younger siblings, mm. but her adopted family, there's two boys, two younger boys. Okay. So she had all kinds so of So I don't know for sure how many. I don't know how many she actually had. If it's just five in total or if there was more than that. Yeah. But Annie went through around five different foster homes. Wow. Before she met a woman named Veronica Kasperzak. She was a social worker. She and her husband decided to adopt Annie and... To make it her forever home when she was around nine years old. Aww. Uh, Veronica stated that um, she would go home to her husband after a long day. And that's all she could talk about was Anne. She just couldn't get her off her heart, off her mind. So her husband just looked at her and said, let's just go adopt her. Aww. How and sweet. they went. They just adopted her. A couple of years later, Veronica and her husband decided to get a divorce, which was very hard on Annie. Um, that meant that she was going to have to move again, and she was going to have to go back and forth between homes. That had to and be just really like all hard teenagers. on her. That had to be especially hard on her because she's been bounced around in foster homes, and I would think that, yes, they adopted her, but there's still got to be some insecure feelings of... Well, now what? what? Are they going to put me back into foster care? Am I going to go back now? Are they not going to want me? Because yes, this is going to make it tougher. She, and yeah, she had a lot of um, she had a lot of issues with um, abandonment. Yeah, and always thinking that somebody was if she did the wrong thing, then she was just going to go back. She also had um, like. She would throw fits and get into a lot of trouble, and she may leave the house for a little bit, but she never left home for more than an hour. She couldn't stand to be away from, from anybody. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when you adopt a so when you adopt a baby or even a small, like, three or under child, they, when they're adopted, they just feel secure in that adoption. I think more so than an older child does. An older child, especially one that like Annie who has been placed in this home for six months and in this home for five months and in this home for two months and this one, you know, and they just don't get any long-term stability. They need, and they don't, oh. they don't bond with those families or anything like that. So when they don't have that, that's got to be really difficult for them. And then for them, then for the adoptive parents to split up, now you're thinking, what am I? What about me? Was it me? What about me? Yeah. What What's going to happen to me now? Well, um, just like most teenagers, when this happens, uh, she started trying to appear older. I know a little bit about that. So she wanted and tried to start acting. She was acting older. She was putting on way too much makeup, you know, dressing provocative-ish. She also started acting out with her parents. 
and Annie had a a fantasy and I guess this happens to a lot of people who are from the foster foster and adoption is that they fantasize about the perfect baby somebody who can love them unconditionally and they can love back and somebody that no one can take away from them right yeah that was her idea and of course she was around at the age of 15 this is about when that kind of started so her early teens is when she's decided i want a baby and I think that's just Not, kind of a normal thing, too, for a lot of teenagers, young girls, when they're first starting their period and they realize that they can have a baby. And then they, you start that fantasy kind of lights up in your head. And it's not one that everybody tries to act on. And a lot of teenagers go, oh, I can have a baby. No. But some of them are like, ooh, I could have a baby. Especially those who didn't have a good childhood. They want to have this baby and I'm going to be a perfect mom and I'm going to have this baby and we're and it's going to love me and I'm going to love it and we're going to be together forever and blah, blah, blah. And they just work it up in their mind. But they don't realize that babies don't love us. Babies are there to use us, darling. They get what they want. They, yeah. It is us that love them. They don't love us for a while. Exactly it. Nope. Um, at the age of 15, Annie was a freshman at Summit Academy in Draper, Utah. I'm trying to make sure I'm saying that right. Draper, Utah. Um, Annie loved music, animals, hanging out with her friends, just like any normal teenager would do. Yeah. Um, she was the superhero to her two little brothers. She loved her family dearly, and she loved strongly, and she she had a very caring spirit about her, too. She just, everybody, if they needed anything, she would do it. Yeah. She'd jump at the chance to help anybody. Sounds like she, she just was truly really an amazing wanted girl. to be loved. And yes. So, therefore, she was going to do everything she could to be the perfect person so that they would all love her. Yeah. Pretty much. It's, it's, mm. it's a sad, sad, sad thing. But um, Veronica knew Annie started having sex. She's 15. Ugh. Started having sex. So That's a mama's nightmare, too. <laughs> that is a mama's nightmare. <laughs> and so, of course, Annie also had been making it very clear that she wants a baby. She wanted to become a mother. So, what does Veronica do? Put her on like the pill. Any good mama does. Put her on the pill. Yep. I don't know if she put her on the pill or what she did, but she also gave her counseling. She sent her daughter to counseling over it, and um, and she also put her on birth control. So she did everything that she could to help her. But Annie was very determined to get pregnant. That's scary because sad, she can just not just, take the pill. <clears throat> Exactly. So, my kind of thought is maybe they did the... Yeah. <laughs> Eat this oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's other options besides just taking a pill now. There's the IUDs and the um, the shot. Well, that's true. All those kind of things, too. I don't know. Well, it was 2012. So, we're going to kind of go ahead and go into it. That's just kind of their background okay. a little bit. So... On March 10th, 2012, 
It was almost 9 o'clock at night. Veronica Kasperzak looked into her daughter's bedroom and found that she wasn't in there. She started to panic. She called for her husband James, which is Annie's stepfather, and he started looking around the house. He noticed something odd, a note on her bed. So mixed in with all of her stuff, there was just a little bitty note just hanging out on the bed. And the note informed her parents that she was running away and to not go looking for her. But, of course, Veronica calls 911 and reports her daughter missing. Uh, yeah. That's the first thing you do. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't care if you decide you're going to run away. You're 15. You're coming home. That's not allowed. That's not an option. Not an option. No, it's not. So, while waiting on the police, Veronica calls... Um, Annie's on and off again boyfriend Chris Bagshaw um, asked if he has seen her or if she was with him and he told her no I didn't he said I talked to her earlier and she told me she was going to run away with another guy and his name is LJ Veronica's never even heard of a guy named LJ so uh, news to her okay. yeah so, the police show up in the small suburbs of Draper, Utah, put out an APB, which is a all-point bulletin of her wearing jeans, red plaid shirt, and red shoes. They also started tracking her cell phone. Veronica and James were extremely shocked to find out that Annie's GPS wasn't too far from home. Then... Veronica and James watched along with the police the cell, the cell signals speeding up all of a sudden and then disappearing. So it went from like she was here at this GPS and then all of a sudden she was like five miles away and then two miles away and then it kept going sporadic and then all of a sudden it just shut off. Is that because somebody had the phone and was driving back and forth and around or or i mean did the police know that that's what it was from or was it just going crazy Not you know sometimes sure. our phones it just, just go crazy. nuts and i know mine does sometimes the other well, day it was just you know i couldn't I, I couldn't get it to scroll and couldn't get it to to even restart or do anything oh i remember that yeah <laughs> it was so funny you couldn't get it to move at all but yeah, um, it does play a big part in this investigation later on. So just kind of remember, okay. kind of remember that, that it just kind of acted funky. So I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. You jumping ahead. It's okay, though. That was my first initial thought is why in the world is it doing this? This is kind of weird. But the police officers left the house and went to the last known signal ping. Um, Annie's parents were supposed to wait in the house in case that Annie walked back home or called but of course being a mom that didn't happen did it veronica just couldn't wait so she left james at the house in case annie does call or come she grabbed her cell phone and keys and she started looking my kind of woman that's right go for it she went woman. looking for her babies yeah i am going to go grab my baby and bring drag her back by her hair if i have to but um the only thing that, um, what went through her mind, what went through Veronica's mind is that 
how long until Annie comes back? How long? And when she does, is she going to be pregnant? Yeah. You already that know that's was the worst thing that ever. Yeah. That's the worst thing that went through her mind is when will she be back? Because she's coming back. And is she going to be pregnant? Yeah. Veronica looked all night with no luck and just hoping that the police would be able to find her. But around 15 hours later, Annie, uh, after Annie's disappearance, a jogger in town saw what looked like a pool of blood near the pedestrian bridge. So, of course, the jogger thought uh, it was coming from, like, an animal. And instead of, you know, who would think anything else besides that? Yeah, I wouldn't think it would be anything but, other um, than that. But being a good person, he decided to go ahead and call it. So, of course, the jogger thought uh, it was coming from, like, an animal. And instead of, you know, who would think anything else besides that? Yeah, I wouldn't think it would be anything but, other um, than that. But being a good person... He decided to go ahead and call it in. And this is when Detective Johnson, Detective Derek Johnson, was on the scene first. He found a red shoe near the bridge. Detective Johnson uh, didn't have much to go on. There wasn't a murder weapon, no cell phones. There was nothing. So it's just a red shoe. That was it. And blood. They had to call in a search party. Because this bridge was over the Jordan River. It wasn't long before the police found a young female body. At first, they thought that the woman was maybe Asian and in her mid-20s. But after bringing her back to the morgue, the police found out that it was indeed Annie Kasperzak. Veronica got the horrific call to find uh she had to call the police to find out if it was annie she um they saw something on the news mm, that's about them finding a body so she had to call to see and a detective had to come back to the house and get photos of annie and ask questions like did annie have braces her parents were in complete and utter disbelief after the autopsy, they found that Annie had multiple skull fractures and a lot of self-defense wounds that were very serious. Mm. She was a fighter. Um, she fought. She definitely did. Uh, little evidence at the scene, but there was no murder. Like, there was no murder weapon. Sorry. There was a murder. There was a murder. Just not the murder weapon okay. was anywhere around. And very little evidence because she was in the water. So. There was also no sign of her cell phone. The police hardly had anything to go off of. All of Annie's friends were in complete shock and couldn't believe that Annie was murdered. But they were also very shocked that she wasn't pregnant. Um, evidently. She has been telling all of her friends at school that she was pregnant. They all believed that she was that she was pregnant and uh, 
none of them knew that she was on birth control. Mm. Plot thickens. Yeah, so she had been telling all of the little buddies at friend and friends at school and that she was pregnant. Yeah, she was telling everybody that she was pregnant. Did Mama not know she, about that? That uh, she'd been doing that? I don't think she did. Okay. I don't think she did, but she was just she was just looking for attention. Well, yeah. Any way that she could get it. So, I mean, I remember there was a girl I went to school with, and she she kept showing pictures of a baby and saying this was her baby. It wasn't her baby. It was her cousin. Yeah. But she was doing that just to get attention. Yeah. But um, she also told all of her friends that the baby's daddy was Chris Bagshaw. And that he wasn't happy about it. And he wanted her to have an abortion. But then he was kind of coming around to it, you know. He was okay with it. I don't know where Chris Bagshaw went to school. I don't think they all went to the same school, though. Okay. Also, the, uh, also the police looked at Annie's date book. And it showed on March 1st, 2012... Scribble down was Chris's name and finds out. So, on the first is when he's finding out about the baby. Okay, so what date was it that, that she disappeared? Um, I think it was the 10th. Okay. So, just like okay. nine days before that, he'd found out that she was pregnant? Yes. Or at least yeah, she it was told the 10th. him that she was pregnant. So, police, the police also knew that Chris was the last person to talk to Annie before her murder. So, of course, they're his top suspect. Um, but what about this LJ guy? Anybody find him? Well, we're about to get into him. Okay. We're about to get into him. Okay. So, Detective Johnson uh, was just about to go visit Chris when actually Chris calls the police station to give them a tip. And he tells them that um, he knows who killed Annie. So, of course, the police are like, oh, yeah, let's go see him. Then tell us, tell us. He tells the police the... He tells the police the same story that he told Veronica the day Annie went missing. This guy, LJ, that she ran, she ran away with a guy named LJ. But he also tells them that this LJ threatened to beat him up and that she was going to run away with him. So, Detective Johnson went over to Chris Bagshaw's house to interview him. They asked about LJ and he said he only talked to him on the phone. The detectives also asked about rumors that were going around about Chris and Annie. And he told them that people thought that she was pregnant. But he didn't get her pregnant. I don't know how he knows that unless he wasn't doing the deed. <laughs> but the detective also asked about his whereabouts for Annie's murder. He, he said he was at home with his dad until his dad decided to go out for drinks. And that's when he had to go to his grandmother's house. 
You're putting your hand up? Or, are you good? Yeah, I am just, I, I was just, I've okay. been reading about this too, and we were talking about them being in different schools, but apparently Chris and her were in the same math class, so they must have went to the same school. Oh, they were? Okay, so then they were in the same yeah. school. Okay. I could never find anything else about, like, them being in a school together. Yeah. So. Yeah, this one says that she was in the same, they were in the same math class. Okay. So, he went to go stay with his grandmother from that point on. And at one point, he said he did leave to walk down the street to see one of his friends. But he wasn't home, so he had to just come back home. Which, that was around 9-ish. In the interview, Detective also noticed that he was wearing brand new shoes. And they wanted to see his old ones. And that's when Chris started to get really nervous. Um, the police started ask, uh, asked if they could have his old shoes to clear, him, to clear it from the murder scene. You know, So Chris went and grabbed the pair and brings it back and he started saying these are the only pair of shoes uh, these are the only other pair of shoes I have and he didn't want to give up the new uh, give up the old pair of dirty shoes because he didn't want to get his new pair dirty yeah but Chris's father told the police to take them because he just bought him new shoes so he'll be fine when the police went to take the shoes, Chris told the police, well, it might have a little tiny bit of Annie's blood on them. Oh. Because Annie had a nosebleed the last time we hung out. Oh, yeah, that's convenient, isn't it? And so they asked, well, when was the last time y'all hung out? And he said around five days ago. And he said that his friend Spencer was there that day, too. So the police went to interview Spencer. So let's talk to Spencer. And Spencer, yeah, got to clear the air. So Spencer told the police that Annie had a nosebleed. And um, then he showed them a video of Annie from a couple of days ago. And she was kind of like holding up these like gang signs. I don't even know how to do them. But, and also told the police that she might be into gangs because of a guy named LJ. But he had no idea who this LJ person is either. So everybody knows LJ's name, but nobody knows LJ. Yeah. Everybody knows about LJ, but nobody knows him. So all he knew was what that is what Annie has told him about LJ. And that he was in a gang. Spencer also told the police that LJ hacked Annie's computer and left threatening emails to Chris... There was also a teacher who confirmed that, uh, confirmed remembering that Annie, uh, was talking about her computer being hacked too. So the police started looking into, uh, so the police started looking at Annie's journals. And then they found a letter to LJ, which is Leighton Jendo? J-E-N-D-O-N. Jendon? Jendon? Jendo? I would think it would be like Jensen Jendon. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so it's Leighton Jendon? I don't know. Jendon. <laughs> but, uh, so then, Jendon. That's right. <laughs> so, 
My name be Jed Dog. So the police started looking. Yeah. So the police actually started to look for this LJ, but they were having no luck at all. But then they started to get. Uh, then they had a break in the case. A lady claiming that she knew who killed Annie. This was a couple of days after Annie's murder. So Detective Johnson got this hot tip on March on March 17th, 2012. A woman named Joanna Franklin being held for fraud charges claimed that she knew what happened to Annie. What is she a psychic or something? Joanne Maybe. Joanna is hopeful that if she helps the police, that they'll make her charges go away. So she tells the police, uh, she tells the, I'm sorry, she tells the police that on more than one occasion she has seen Annie, uh, Annie at one of Danny Furry, Fairies? Furry? Danny Furries. Dan, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Furry? Yeah. F-E-R-R-Y. Fairy. Furry. Fairy. Fairy. Oh, he's a he's a fairy. That's, That's cute. That's spelled like a fairy that Please goes don't across, the across the water. I know. I know. Not I was, fairy like a funny. fairy. Not. <laughs> Although I'm sure he got hurt. Please don't that. come I'm for sure me. I'm sure he heard that. Please don't come for me. I'm sure he heard that plenty. <laughs> yeah. So, that she's seen him at multiple times at Danny Ferry's party. So, Daniel was a well-known drug dealer and a gang member. So, Joanna said she saw Daniel and Annie doing drugs together. While interviewing, Joanne uh, used the familiar name of LJ. LJ is a Hispanic uh, a Hispanic man who's short and uh, he's short. He's okay. So he's Hispanic, but he doesn't look Hispanic. He looks white, and he's around the age of nineteen. That's that's the most you got about that's him. Her description. Well, now I have to say that there are those that are Hispanic that don't look Hispanic because yeah, Gilmore Girls. That's our show. Um, Alexa. Uh. Uh, the girl who plays yeah. Rory is Hispanic, but you would never know it. She's fair-skinned and blue-eyed and all that, but she's yeah. Hispanic, so. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So, that's the only description that she gave about him, that he was 19, Hispanic, but looked white. According to Joanna, on March 10th, 2012, Annie was with LJ at Danny Ferry's party, and Annie refused to have sex with Ferry, which brought out a homicidal rage with him, and he grabbed her head and slammed her into the wall, and him and two other guys took Annie somewhere, but when they came back, they were joking about Annie going for a swim. And they came back covered in blood. So the police went after Danny. Well, yeah. When they got to his house, they he had all his carpet pulled up in the hallways. Um, and also, some of the walls were freshly painted. 
So it looked like it looks like Danny's it looked like guilty. some blood splattered like. on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it looked like there was some blood splatter on the floor too. They uh, took the carpet to a landfill, which made them look really guilty, of course. So it looked like they had been remodeling the hallway and the bathroom, but really it just looked like somebody was cleaning up a crime scene. So the police brought in Danny Ferry, Daniel Ferry in for questioning and of course he became one of their number one suspects at this point. He stated that he has never met Annie. He's never heard of a guy named LJ and he has never heard her. He also claimed that he needed an attorney since they were accusing him of murder. But did he know Joanna or whatever her name was? Did he know her? I think he knows jo I don't know if they told who was the one to tell because she could be, I mean. I mean, yeah, it could be putting her you, in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a what, yada, yada. It, it, Whatever. Yeah. But, because. Uh, yeah. You kind of don't mention the person who's, you know, the snitch. Well, yeah, I guess. But I just kind of wonder. That's awfully. I mean, that'd be another body on him. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother, whole nother murder to carry on. There's a whole other murder that we're going to have to do. But, yeah, so. Veronica was very, very, very shocked about the whole Annie on drugs thing because Annie was anti-drug. That was because her mother had to give up her children because she was into drugs, due to drugs. So, And at 15, she, she highly be smart enough to deal. know that she's wanting to have a baby. She shouldn't be on drugs. Yeah. Veronica's never even seen this Danny Ferry before. Um, forensic evidence came back on the blood in Ferry's house, and it was not a match to Annie's. Um, the detective, uh, Detective Johnson, tries to find a witness to, cor to corroborate. 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 <laughs> get that out. Corroborate. Corroborate. <laughs> Corroborate. Okay, yeah. Corroborate. Corroborate. <laughs> it's it. not a. It's not an easy. Corroborate. Word. It's not an easy. Nope. Joanna's story, but it was all a dead end. Nobody could put Annie at that house at that time. Nobody's ever even seen her before. That were at the party. So the case against Daniel Ferry was coming to an end. Uh, come to find out, Danny. If, Danny Ferry did assault a woman around the same time that Annie was murdered. And it was horrible what happened to that woman. And Daniel was convicted of her crime, but it was not for the murder of Annie Casper, Kasperzak. Okay. So, I mean, the girl did help a little bit on someone else, but it was not but for But it was Annie. the wrong person. It was for the wrong person. So, who would want to kill this 15-year-old girl and why? That is the million-dollar question. Also, who is LJ? When the police started talking to Annie's friends, no one ever laid eyes on this LJ before. They were, uh, they have only just heard about him. This LJ was a complete dead end and caused almost an entire year of investigation. The police had to start completely over. Mm -hmm. So, 
after an entire year of trying to find out who this LJ is, couldn't find him. They solved some then other somebody else's back to the square one. problem. Yep. So, this is when Detective Johnson gets promoted and he becomes a sergeant. Which means the only detective on the case now was a detective Jacqueline Moore. And she has only been in, like, she's only been on this case for just a couple of months. So she's, she's a newbie. Okay. On the case. And then Johnson, who was over the case, is now the sergeant. So he's just handing it off to her. Of course, he said that he would help her in any way that he could. But... A couple of months after Sergeant Johnson was promoted, he was shot and killed, which left Detective Moore. I'm sorry, I lost it. Uh, hold on. Who was new to the case, and without him, without his help to understand what what he already found, so she actually had to go back and make it kind of like a cold case and just start over from there. Mm. So, who do you think the first person she goes to talk to is? Well, the first person last time was Bagshaw, the boyfriend, right? Yes, Chris Bagshaw, which his name is Dar Darwin Christopher Bagshaw. And he is 14 years old, so he is a year younger. Oh. Or at least a couple of months younger than Annie. So, she goes to talk to Chris again. Chris Bagshaw actually moved shortly after Annie's murder. He moved in with his mom in Colorado. He also had no interest in talking to the police anymore. Detective Moore wanted to find out if the blood on Bagshaw's shoe was indeed from a bloody nose. But the shoes were never fully tested. I guess because they got the whole thing on LJ and so they just cut losses on this and moved on to LJ. So the detective resent the shoes back to the lab for further testings and they used a thing called an MVAC machine. Um, it's kind of like a wet vac, okay. sort of, which it will collect traces of small, uh, trace amounts of DNA. When spraying the bottom of the shoe, the the bottom of the shoe, it reacted as somebody stepping into a pu puddle of blood. Okay, that's a little more than a nosebleed normally. Yep. But there was not enough DNA for them to swab the bottom of the shoe to see if it could match if it could match Annie's DNA. Um I'm sorry. I'm so sick. I can't even focus yeah. on this. Well, I think okay. it's interesting, there was enough too, that they couldn't get that. Because we see on television that they're like, oh, they spray this and then they take a, a swab of it. But we learned in our other one, it, the last one that I did, um, that when they, for um, Melissa Brennan, we found out that when they spray it with luminol, which I would assume is how they find out that he's stepped in a puddle of blood, they've sprayed it so it gets in the crevices of all that. That's how you see it. Yeah. That 
um, once you spray something with luminol, you have compromised the DNA. So therefore, you can't use that. You've got to find a spot that's not been sprayed with luminol to take for the DNA. So that would say, but uh, would stand to reason that the shoes they're not going to get the DNA off of it because they've sprayed it. Yeah. All they could get off of it was if it was a female or male DNA, but not enough to figure out actually Oops. who. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Detective Moore started interviewing Chris's best friend again, Spencer. Detective Moore actually listened to the interview, oops, the interview with Spencer and noticed that he really didn't answer a lot of questions ab about Annie's nosebleed. He was kind of just like texting on his phone the whole time they were talking to him. Well, who was he texting? Well, let's see here. They asked if he, uh, who he was texting on the, on the interview. And if they could see his phone. Spencer was texting girls, telling them, telling them what he would like to do to them. But he was also texting Chris about what story should he be telling the police. I can't believe these police officers Chris would let him have a phone while he's doing this. That's just... Yeah. Nuts. So, Chris told Spencer to tell the police that he, uh, he texted, sorry, Chris texted Spencer and told him the police took his shoes and he needed him to tell him that Annie had a nosebleed and blood was, and got blood on his shoes. Yeah, see, I can't believe they'd let him have that anyway because then he's texting somebody who you don't know who he's texting so he could be texting whoever it is you're trying to corroborate a story between the two of them he could be asking him what's going on you know kids that age they're all bros before hoes buddy we're gonna yeah <laughs> you know you know you hear yeah. that crap oh i know i know i know i know but still there wasn't enough evidence because this is all hearsay so, the detective started looking into the cell phone pings from the night of Annie's murder. You know how Annie's phone was pinging across the valley faster, faster speed than you could be moving in a car, pretty much. Um, but, let's see here. It's like Annie would make a phone call... And it would ping off of one tower, and then she would text somebody else, and it would ping off of another tower three miles away within a matter of seconds. But, guess who else's phone was doing the same thing? Chris. Huh. Chris Bagshaw's phone was. The police didn't think that they could prove that they were together, but Detective Moore, my kind of woman, was going to try. Detective Moore decided to take a class on cell phone mapping course. I didn't even know that that thing even existed. <laughs> but <laughs> once in class, she started talking to the teacher about how strange behavior the phones were, what the phones were doing. The teacher was a former police officer and was willing to help her. 
and there was also an answer to why Annie and Chris's phones were acting like that the night of her murder. It is because they were at the same place at the same time. So at this point, it's been almost two years since Annie Kasperzak has been murdered. Wow. And Detective Moore was getting closer and closer to catching Chris Backshaw. We already know. It's him. It has to be him. They're in the same place at the exact same time. Detective Moore was, uh, sorry, finding out what happened, what happened, and what happened that night. I'm sorry. I'm like, hmm. Taking a lot of medicine today. Sorry, people. Chris Backshaw. Uh, Chris Backshaw talked to Annie's mom the night before. Remember? She said he kind of seems like the bad guy. The bad, the bad guy. The bad boy type. You know? Which was something that Annie was drawn to because she just wanted to love everybody and wanted to, wanted to fix everything. Yeah. That was the way that they presumed him. So, Detective Moore's evidence was circumstantial about the cell phone ping. Where Annie and Chris were the night of the murder, they didn't have a good cell signal. That's why. So, when you don't have a good cell signal, it tries to bounce off all the, nearer ta the nearest towers. Yeah. Constantly trying to find a good signal. Okay, yeah, that makes That's sense. That's why their phones were doing that. There was only one place in the entire region, the entire region, that pinged like Annie and Chris's phones did that night. Okay. Which, yeah, which it was where the pedestrian bridge was. Over the Jordan River. When Veronica called Chris Bagshaw, he was standing there with Annie. In that very moment, he was standing with her. That phone call that Veronica made where the police would lead the police to find out that Chris was indeed there the night of the murder and that Chris hadn't yet killed her. So she wasn't dead at the moment that Veronica called? She was not dead at this time. Oh, no. Chris killed Annie a few minutes after talking to Veronica. <sighs> With this evidence, Detective Moore had enough evidence to arrest Chris Backshaw. Which means she had to go to Colorado to get him. Oh, I'd go to Timbuktu to get him. Oh, yeah. I would show my little butt up there real quick. Now, Chris's attorneys did try to keep him in, like, the juvenile court due to his age. Which he was 14 at the time of the murder. And he could get a lighter sentence. But, after hearing both sides of the case, and because Chris is now 17 years old, and how brutal the murder was, the judge decided to charge him with first-degree murder as an adult. Now... Detective Moore also had the FBI profile him. And it was stating that a man that um, if they did release him after just two years um, he would have gotten uh, crap. 
he did an FBI thing and it stated that he would do this again. He would end up hurting somebody else. He would get into another relationship with a woman and he would brutally murder her mm. too. This is not, it wasn't just like a accidental thing that just happened. Yeah. This is something that would happen again and again. And I believe that's what helped the judge decide that, no, we're going to go ahead and, because he was profiled as in somebody who would do this. So, while waiting for his hearing, one of Chris's friends come forward and give a statement. Chris told, uh, Chris told his friend that Annie told him that she was pregnant and that he was going to meet her down by the river and they were going to run away together. Then, once the Jordan, once at the Jordan River, Chris brings a shovel to dig a hole to put Annie's body in it. But the ground was too frozen at this point, so he couldn't dig. I mean, it was complete ice. It's in early, early spring. I don't even think it's considered spring yet. It's still considered winter. So they started arguing about the baby and she told him that she was going to leave him then. And he told her, no, she wasn't. And then he started hitting her with the shovel. And I'm sorry, this is going to get a little gruesome a little bit. So bear with me. Um, he started hitting her with the shovel, but she just wouldn't die. Huh. So he just kept hitting her. And the whole time, Annie is telling him to stop and that she loved him. But he was just calling her horrible names and hitting her. Huh. Then he took the point of the shovel and pointed it to the middle of her forehead and stomped No! Her. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Day before court date, Chris Bagshaw actually played guilty to the murder, but not that he was planning on killing her. He just got mad, and the shovel was there, and he just used it. But again, they're on a walking trail. They're on a, they're on a walk, walking trail. Why would there be a shovel? Yeah. Just laying around out there. It's not a normal thing you'd see. Chris Shaw is sentenced to 15 years in prison. Um, the prison records state that Chris Bagshaw remains in prison at Central Utah Correctional Facility and will be eligible for, for parole in October of 2020. 2031. So he got 15 years. Wow. Just 15 years. That was a brutal murder for 15 years. Just 15 years. years. I mean, I know he was 14 at the time of the murder. I, I understand that. But once you, you cross over and you are going to file it as an adult, I don't think that you should be only getting 15 years as an adult for murdering somebody else. Well, I think... I think they did it that way because he was so young when it happened and his, I can't remember what they said it was, but his brain was not fully developed enough to actually be able to. I get that. Anybody that has a teenage under son understands that. I mean, you have that rage and then you just don't know what to do they, with it. So they, you just they kinda... just act before they think. They don't think things through. They, they just act. automatically react 
to things at times. But the problem is, is that he did plan it because he brought the shovel. But he intended to do right. He so, had the intent because he brought that. He that the showed intent, it. So. Because it's not something that you just have. And it's not like he had it in his car because he was 14. He couldn't... He wasn't driving. Yeah. No, he was just... So he had to up meet with up with her and carry a shovel from where, his house there to do this. So, yeah. Oh. It's a daisy. I just... And the sad thing is, is that she wasn't even pregnant. Right. You killed her because you didn't want a baby. But you guess what? You didn't have a baby to begin with. And I'm sure it, you have to think. In a couple of months, you'd have noticed. <laughs> well, and you have to think that at some point when you're hitting her and that you're doing this, she's got to be yelling at you, I'm not pregnant. Yeah. The jig is up. I'm not. She's fighting. I mean, pretty much all it stated was that she... That all she was doing was telling him how much she loved him while he was beating her. I mean, she was... He's, she's, and that's why the defensive yeah. marks were, because it was the shovel that was hitting her when she was doing it. it right, was, and during these defenses... I just, I just can't imagine. I'm thinking, for me, somebody's hitting me trying to kill me because he thinks I'm pregnant. I'm going to be telling him, I'm not pregnant, I swear. I'm not pregnant. It was a joke. It was a bad joke. Okay? I was just trying to get some attention. It's a bad <laughs> joke. I'm sorry. You're going to do anything you can to stop it. My bad. Right. My bad. Right. Or <laughs> even, bad. you're not the daddy. Don't worry. I mean, anything. You're going to be saying whatever you can to get him to stop. And this is this walking yeah. bridge that they were meeting on. And he, I don't know. It's yeah, hard to at imagine. At 9 o'clock at night. Here, yeah, well, I mean, in March, it would be 9, it would be dark. I mean, now, 9 o'clock at night right now, this time period, it's still kind of light out, so you could go on and you could have people walking, but 9 o'clock is not that late, you think, as far as people that are working. They have to, if they're going to eat dinner and then go walking, they may be out there walking, and on this bridge, if it's a populated place, I don't know anything about the area, but I would think that runners and things like that, they run in the evenings and do that. So, they must have met out there before to know that it wasn't, it, it usually wasn't populated and, I mean, what is this, what did this girl think when he comes know. walking up to her, holding, carrying a, a shovel? We're a supposed sho to be running away together and you oh, brought a shovel? <laughs> I brought a backpack that you but have you a shovel. Yourself, what, are you going to tie a bandana around it so you can carry it off like a hobo? B what was your reasoning? Huckleberry right. Finn. I mean, what was your thought of behind... I don't know. They're, they're teenagers. They're not, teenagers are just... You know, you hate to say teenagers are not real bright, but in some things like this, they're just not... At least certain ones are not, and I don't believe that this one was. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. After so long, they're going to know you're not pregnant, but you're going to go run off with them. Right. I guess at that point, she's thinking that 
by the time he could find out that I'm not pregnant, I will be pregnant. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she was just, from what Veronica was saying, is that she would just leave and go and try and find anybody, anybody to have a baby with. The only, the really, the smart thing, smart, I'm saying, in quotation mark thing, that this kid did, that um, Chris did, was immediately, Bring up LJ. he blamed it on LJ, this kid who doesn't exist. He kept them for... And there was, our, there was a letter already about LJ, too. So there had to have been an LJ at some point, or maybe she didn't or make up exact, an LJ to make ding, him ding, jealous. Ding, ding. I think she was making him up. That would be my. I thing. would think she made him up because he was this bad boy, and he was a he was a um, he was a, this uh, in the ga a gang member. Okay, I haven't heard about a lot of gangs in Draper, Utah. I'm not saying there's not any, <laughs> but well, there was one. I mean that Danny Daniel Ferry was a gang right. member and a drug dealer. But so I'm sure there was I'm sure some there people were, there that are a part of a gang. And but this is, you know, this is the suburbs. This is not Right. I mean, she's got a social like worker the, for a mom. This mom, I'm sure, is very hands on and very close with this and, and knowing what her kid's doing. I'm sure she's not allowing her to hang I'm out. I'm pretty with sure the, she was with the drug dealers. Well, I mean, like just, just like the mom was saying in the the documentary that I watched, she was like, you know, she would leave, but she'd come right back. She couldn't, she couldn't go out for long periods right. of time. She had a condition where she just, she was scared to be away. She wanted to be at home. Yeah, long. so she wanted to be at home, even though she was mad and she was aggravated and throwing fits and doing everything else she still yeah, had to so how out. many gang members do you know that are being hooking up with this chick for an hour they tend to you know they want them to be with them all the time train and usually i mean it's it's not just one of the gang members it's all right. of them so i mean it the whole that whole part of the story just didn't make sense to me from the beginning but and it didn't help that this... No, but they lost precious time because of... And they lost that precious time because of this Joanna that wanted to get time off of but, her. But, I mean, technically, jo Joanna did do a good thing because she did get him for somebody... I don't know if she was murdered, but he had brutally assaulted. Yes, but it seems and like Joanna got... From, from that one? Yeah. From that one, he... Um, he hit her head. He also shaved her hair off, and then he used her head as a dartboard. Oh, what a winner he was! Um, He's a real winner. He really so did is. Joanna just kind of sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would. Oh, Joanna got off. Well, what I'm, what I'm thinking of is, I'm wondering, did Joanna just confuse that girl's name with the other girl? Was the other girl? Was her name Ann or something Ann or, you know, Ann is common enough or what? Yeah, I'm not really sure about that part, but she was mistaken of who she right, was. Right, obviously. I guess they looked similar. Yeah. Or she just didn't know the girl's name, but they looked alike, so she thought it was her or what. 
But so there were a lot of she was going to try to get off of her fraud charges. So it doesn't seem like Joanna was just trying to make something up to get that. She did know of something. She just had the wrong person. She did. It just was and due to that, it it kept them from. So there were some extenuating circumstances that kept them from finding out about her murder during that first time. That's that's what took so long. And that's sad. But there were people that were trying to help. You know, like this Joanna. She was yeah. trying to help. Well, she didn't realize that she was giving them the wrong person. Yeah. Draper is such a small little town. From what they're saying. I mean, it's a small little suburb area. So they didn't have a lot of detectives and all of that. So I'm sure it was just like one detective with some police officers. Yeah. And then... He finally got somebody else in there to help him with this case. And then he becomes sergeant. Yeah. And then he dies. A horrific death, too. Yeah. He thought he was stopping a... Uh, he thought somebody broke down. And when he pulled up to the car, the man shot mm. him. Well, this one was just sad all the way around. All kinds of things. The detective dies. The it was sad another. all the way around. It really was. But, uh, sorry, but next next week's is not going to... Well, it's still really sad, but it's it's gruesome. I always end up with these disgusting ones. So, but, yeah. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating. Um, you can comment on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast. Uh, Audible, Samsung Music, Amazon Music, Amazon Music. (laughs) We also have a couple of other ones on there. If you wanted to, you can look at our website and it is podbean.com slash mama's nightmare pod. You can also hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on next week's nightmare where Alicia's going to be telling us about the disappearance of Zachary Ramsey. Uh, we also have a Facebook and an Instagram. Those are both at Mama's Nightmare Pod, where we will be posting pictures from each of the episodes. Also, if you'd like, if you have a suggestion on a case that you would like for us to cover, please leave us an email at Mama's Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia and Rhonda. We hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Bye. Bye. And this is when Detective Johnson, Detective Derek Johnson, was on the scene first. He found a red shoe near the bridge. Detective Johnson uh, didn't have much to go on. There wasn't a murder weapon, no cell phones. There was nothing. So it's just a red shoe. That was it. And blood. They had to call in a search party because this bridge was over the Jordan River. It wasn't long before the police found a young female body. At first, they thought that the woman was maybe Asian and in her mid-20s. But after bringing her back to the morgue, the police found out that it was indeed Annie Kasperzak. Veronica got the horrific call 
to find, uh, she had to call the police to find out if it was Annie. She, um, they saw something on the news mm, about scary. them finding a body. So she had to call to see. And a detective had to come back to the house and get photos of Annie and ask questions like, did Annie have braces? Her parents were in complete and utter disbelief. After the autopsy, they found that Annie had multiple skull fractures and a lot of self-defense wounds that were very serious. Mm. She was a fighter. Um, she fought. She definitely did. Uh, little evidence at the scene, but there was no murder. Like, there was no murder weapon. Sorry. There was a murder. There was a murder. Just not the murder weapon okay. was anywhere around. And very little evidence because she was in the water. So. There was also no sign of her cell phone. The police hardly had anything to go off of. All of Annie's friends were in complete shock and couldn't believe that Annie was murdered. But they were also very shocked that she wasn't pregnant. Um, evidently, she has been telling all of her friends at school that she was pregnant. They all believed that she was that she was pregnant, and uh, none of them knew that she was on birth control. Mm. Plot thickens. Yeah. So she had been telling all of the little buddies at friend and friends at school, and that she was pregnant. Yeah, she was telling everybody that she was pregnant. Did Mama not know she, about that? That um, she'd been doing that. I don't think she did. Okay. I don't think she did, but she was just she was just looking for attention. Well, yeah. Any way that she could get it. So, I mean, I remember there was a girl I went to school with and she she kept showing pictures of a baby and saying this was her baby. It wasn't her baby, it was her cousin. But she was doing that just to get attention. Yeah. But um she also told all of her friends that the baby's daddy was Chris Bagshaw. And that he wasn't happy about it. And he wanted her to have an abortion. But then he was kind of coming around to it. You know. He was okay with it. I don't know where Chris Bagshaw went to school. I don't think they all went to the same school though. Okay. Also the, uh, also the police looked at Annie's date book. And it showed on March 1st, 2012... Scribble down was Chris's name and finds out. So, on the first is when he's finding out about the baby. Okay, so what date was it that, that she disappeared? Um, I think it was the 10th. Okay. So, just like okay. nine days before that, he'd found out that she was pregnant? Yes. Or at least yeah, she it was told him that she was pregnant. So, police, the police also knew that Chris was the last person to talk to Annie before her murder. So, of course, they're his top suspect. Um, but what about this LJ guy? Anybody find him? Well, we're about to get into him. Okay. We're about to get into him. Okay. So, Detective Johnson 
uh, was just about to go visit Chris when actually Chris calls the police station to give them a tip. And he tells them that um, he knows who killed Annie. So, of course, the police are like, oh, yeah, let's go see him. Then tell us, tell us. He tells the police the... He tells the police the same story that he told Veronica the day Annie went missing. This guy, LJ, that she ran, she ran away with a guy named LJ. But he also tells them that this LJ threatened to beat him up and that she was going to run away with him. So, Detective Johnson went over to Chris Bagshaw's house to interview him. They asked about LJ and he said he only talked to him on the phone. The detectives also asked about rumors that were going around about Chris and Annie. And he told them that people thought that she was pregnant. But he didn't get her pregnant. I don't know how he knows that unless he wasn't doing the deed. <laughs> but the detective also asked about his whereabouts for Annie's murder. He, he said he was at home with his dad until his dad decided to go out for drinks. And that's when he had to go to his grandmother's house. You're putting your hand up. Or, are you good? Yeah, I am just, I, I was just, okay. I've been reading about this too. And we were talking about them being in different schools. But apparently, Chris and her were in the same math class. So they must have went to the same school. Oh, they were? Okay, so then they were in the same yeah. school. Okay. I could never find anything else about, like, them being in a school together. Yeah. So. Yeah, this one says that she was in the same, they were in the same math class. Okay. So, he went to go stay with his grandmother from that point on. And at one point, he said he did leave to walk down the street to see one of his friends. But he wasn't home, so he had to just come back home. Which, that was around 9-ish. In the interview, Detective also noticed that he was wearing brand new shoes. And they wanted to see his old ones. And that's when Chris started to get really nervous. Um, the police started ask, uh, asked if they could have his old shoes to clear, him, to clear it from the murder scene, you know. So Chris went and grabbed the pair and brings it back. And he started saying, these are the only pair of shoes, uh, these are the only other pair of shoes I have. And he didn't want to give up the new, uh, give up the old pair of dirty shoes. Because he didn't want to get his new pair dirty. Yeah. But Chris's father told the police to take them because he just bought him new shoes. So, he'll be fine. When the police went to take the shoes, Chris told the police, well, it might have a little tiny bit of Annie's blood on them. Because Annie had a nosebleed the last time we hung out. Oh, yeah, that's convenient, isn't it? And so they asked, well, when was the last time y'all hung out? And he said around five days ago. And he said that his friend Spencer was there that day, too. So the police went to interview Spencer. So let's talk to Spencer. And Spencer, yeah, got to clear the air. So, Spencer told the police that Annie had a nosebleed, and um, then he showed them a video of Annie from a couple of days ago, and she was kind of, like, holding up these, like, gang signs. I don't even know how to do them, but 
and also told the police that she might be into gangs because of a guy named LJ. But he had no idea who this LJ person is either. So everybody knows LJ's name, but nobody knows LJ. Yeah. Everybody knows about LJ, but nobody knows him. So all he knew was what that is what Annie has told him about LJ and that he was in a gang. Spencer also told the police that LJ hacked Annie's computer and left threatening emails to Chris. There was also a teacher who confirmed that, uh, confirmed remembering that Annie uh, was talking about her computer being hacked too. So the police started looking into, uh, so the police started looking at Annie's journals and then they found a letter to LJ, which is Leighton Jendo? J-E-N-D-O-N. Jendo? 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 I would think it would be like Jensen Jendon. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so it's Leighton Jendon? I don't know. Jendon. <laughs> but, uh, so then, Jendon. That's right. <laughs> My name be Jendon. So the police started looking for... Yeah. So the police actually started to look for this LJ, but they were having no luck at all. But then they started to catch, uh, then they had a break in the case. A lady claiming that she knew who killed Annie. This was a couple of days after Annie's murder. So Detective Johnson got this hot tip on March, on March 17th, 2012, a woman named Joanna Franklin being held for fraud charges claimed that she knew what happened to Annie. What is she a psychic or something? Joanna. Maybe. Joanna is hopeful that if she helps the police, that they'll make her charges go away. So she tells the police, uh, she tells the, I'm sorry. She tells the police that on more than one occasion, she has seen Annie, uh, Annie at one of Danny Furry, Fairies? Furry? Danny Furries. Dan, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Furry? Yeah. F-E-R-R-Y. Fairy. Furry. Fairy. Fairy. Oh, he's a, fa he's a fairy. That's, That's cute. That's spelled like a fairy that Please goes don't across, the across the water. I know. I know. Not I was, fairy I was, like I was a funny. fairy. Not <laughs> Although I'm sure he got hurt. Please don't that. come I'm for sure me. He heard that. Please don't come for me. I'm sure he heard that plenty. <laughs> yeah. So that she's seen him at multiple times at Danny Ferry's party. So Daniel was a well-known drug dealer and a gang member. So Joanna said she saw Daniel and Annie doing drugs together. While interviewing, Joanne uh, used the familiar name of LJ. LJ is a Hispanic, uh, a Hispanic man who's short and uh, he's short. He's okay, so he's Hispanic, but he doesn't look Hispanic. He looks white, and he's around the age of nineteen. That's that's 
the most you got about that was him. That's hard to scrutinize. Well, now I have to say that that there are those that are Hispanic that don't look Hispanic because, yeah, Gilmore Girls, that's our show. Um, Alexa, uh, uh, the girl who plays yeah. Rory, is Hispanic, but you would never know it. She's fair skinned and blue eyed and all that, but she's yeah. Hispanic, so. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So. That's the only description that she gave about him, that he was 19, Hispanic, but looked white. According to Joanna, on March 10th, 2012, Annie was with LJ at Danny Ferry's party, and Annie refused to have sex with Ferry, which brought out a homicidal rage with him, and he grabbed her head and slammed her into the wall. And him and two other guys took Annie somewhere, but when they came back, they were joking about Annie going for a swim. And they came back covered in blood. So the police went after Danny. Well, yeah. When they got to his house, they he had all his carpet pulled up in the hallways. Um, and also, some of the walls were freshly painted. So it looked like it looks like Danny's it looked like guilty. some blood splattered like. on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it looked like there was some blood splatter on the floor too. They uh, took the carpet to a landfill, which made them look really guilty, of course. So it looked like they had been remodeling the hallway and the bathroom, but really, it just looked like somebody was cleaning up a crime scene. So the police brought in Danny Ferry, Daniel Ferry in for questioning and of course he became one of their number one suspects at this point he stated that he has never met annie he's never heard of a guy named lj and he has never heard her he also claimed that he needed an attorney since they were accusing him of murder but did he know joanna or whatever her name was did he know her i think he knows jo i don't know if they told who was the one to tell because she could be. I mean. I mean, yeah, it could be putting her in danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a what. Yada, yada. It'll, it'll, Whatever. Yeah. But, because. Uh, yeah. You kind of don't mention the person who's, you know, the snitch. Well, yeah, I guess. But I just kind of wonder. That's awfully. I mean, that'd be another body on him. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother, a whole nother murder to carry on. There's a whole other murder that we're going to have to do. But, yeah, so. Veronica was very, very, very shocked about the whole Annie on drugs thing because Annie was anti-drug. That was because her mother had to give up her children because she was into drugs, due to drugs. So, And at 15, she, she highly be smart enough to know that she's wanting to have a baby. She shouldn't be on drugs. Yeah. Veronica's never even seen this Danny Ferry before. Um, forensic evidence came back on the blood in Ferry's house, and it was not a match to Annie's. Um, the detective, uh, Detective Johnson, tries to find a witness to, cor to corroborate. 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 <laughs> get that out. Co corroborate. 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 <laughs> Corroborate. Okay, yeah. Corroborate. Corroborate. <laughs> it's it. not a. It's not an easy word. Corroborate. 
it's not an easy nope Joanna story but it was all a dead end nobody could put Annie at that house at that time nobody's ever even seen her before that were at the party so the case against Daniel Ferry was coming to an end uh, come to find out Danny if Danny Ferry did assault a woman around the same time that Annie was murdered and it was horrible what happened to that woman and Daniel was convicted of her crime but it was not for the murder of Annie Casper Kasperzak okay so I mean the girl did help a little bit on someone else but it was not but for it was Annie. the wrong person it was for the wrong person so who would want to kill this 15 year old girl and why that is the million dollar question also who is LJ when the police started talking to Annie's friends no one ever laid eyes on this LJ before they were uh, they have only just heard about him this LJ was a complete dead end and caused almost an entire year of investigation the police had to start completely over. Mm -hmm. So, after an entire year of trying to find out who this LJ is, couldn't find him. They solved some of somebody, somebody else's back to the square one. problem. Yep. So, this is when Detective Johnson gets promoted and he becomes a sergeant. Which means the only detective on the case now was a Detective Jacqueline Moore. And she has only been in, like, she's only been on this case for just a couple of months. So she's she's a newbie. Okay. On the case. And then Johnson, who was over the case, is now the sergeant. So he's just handing it off to her. Of course, he said that he would help her in any way that he could. But a couple of months after sergeant johnson was promoted he was shot and killed which left detective moore i'm sorry i lost it uh hold on who was new to the case and without him without his help to understand what what he already found so she actually had to go back and make it kind of like a cold case and just start over from there mm. So, who do you think the first person she goes to talk to is? Well, the first person last time was Bagshaw, the boyfriend, right? Yes, Chris Bagshaw, which his name is Dar Darwin Christopher Bagshaw. And he is 14 years old, so he is a year younger. Oh. Or at least a couple of months younger than Annie. So, she goes to talk to Chris again. Chris Bagshaw actually moved shortly after Annie's murder. He moved in with his mom in Colorado. He also had no interest in talking to the police anymore. Detective Moore wanted to find out if the blood on Bagshaw's shoe was indeed from a bloody nose. But the shoes were never fully tested. I guess because they got... The whole thing on LJ and so they just cut losses on this and moved on to LJ. So the detective resent the shoes back to the lab for further testings. 
and they used a thing called an MVAC machine. Um, it's kind of like a wet vac, okay. sort of, which it will collect traces of small, uh, trace amounts of DNA. When spraying the bottom of the shoe, the uh, the bottom of the shoe, it reacted as somebody stepping into a pu puddle of blood. Okay, that's a little more than a nosebleed normally. Yep. But there was not enough DNA for them to swab the bottom of the shoe to see if it could match if it could match Annie's DNA. Um I'm sorry. I'm so sick. I can't even focus yeah. on this. Well, I think okay. it's interesting, there was enough too, that they couldn't get that. Because we see on television that they're like, oh, they spray this and then they take a, a swab of it. But we learned in our other one, uh, the last one that I did, um, that when they, for um, Melissa Brennan, we found out that when they spray it with luminol, which I would assume is how they find out that he's stepped in a puddle of blood, they've sprayed it so it gets in the crevices of all that. That's how you see it. Yeah. That um, once you spray something with luminol, you have compromised the DNA. So therefore, you can't use that. You've got to find a spot that's not been sprayed with luminol to take for the DNA. So that would say uh, would, would stand to reason that the shoe's they're not going to get the DNA off of it because they've sprayed it. Yeah. All they could get off of it was if it was a female or male DNA, but not enough to figure out actually Oops. who. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Detective Moore started interviewing Chris's best friend again, Spencer. Detective Moore actually listened to the interview. Oops. The interview with Spencer and noticed that he really didn't answer a lot of questions ab about Annie's nosebleed. He was kind of just like texting on his phone the whole time they were talking to him. Well, who was he texting? Well, let's see here. They asked if he, uh, who he was texting on the, on the interview. And if they could see his phone, Spencer was texting girls, telling them, telling them what he would like to do to them. But he was also texting Chris about what story should he be telling the police. I can't believe these police officers Chris would let him have a phone while he's doing this. That's just. Yeah. Nuts. So Chris told Spencer to tell the police that he, uh, he texts, sorry, Chris texts Spencer and told him the police took his shoes and he needed him to tell him that Annie had a nosebleed and blood was, and got blood on his shoes. Yeah, see, I can't believe they'd let him have that anyway, because then he's texting somebody who, you don't know who he's texting, so he could be texting whoever it is. You're trying to corroborate a story between the two of them. He could be asking him what's going on you know kids that age they're all bros before hoes buddy we're going yeah <laughs> you know you know you hear yeah. that crap oh i know i know i know i know but still there wasn't enough evidence because this is all hearsay so the detective 
started looking into the cell phone pings from the night of Annie's murder. You know how Annie's phone was pinging across the valley faster, faster speed than you could be moving in a car, pretty much. Um, but, let's see here. It's like Annie would make a phone call and it would ping off of one tower and then she would text somebody else and it would ping off of another tower three miles away within a matter of seconds. But, guess who else's phone was doing the same thing? Chris. Chris Backshaw's phone was. The police didn't think that they could prove that they were together, but Detective Moore, my kind of woman, was going to try. Detective Moore decided to take a class on cell phone mapping course. I didn't even know that that thing even existed. <laughs> but <laughs> once in class, she started talking to the teacher about how strange behavior the phones were, what the phones were doing. The teacher was a former police officer and was willing to help her. And there was also an answer to why Annie and Chris's phones were acting like that the night of her murder. It is because they were at the same place at the same time. So at this point, it's been almost two years since Annie Kasperzak has been murdered. Wow. And Detective Moore was getting closer and closer to catching Chris Backshaw. We already know. It's him. It has to be him. They're in the same place at the exact same time. Detective Moore was, uh, sorry. Finding out what happened, what happened, and what happened that night. I'm sorry. I'm like, hmm. Taking a lot of medicine today. Sorry, people. Chris Backshaw, uh, Chris Backshaw talked to Annie's mom the night before, remember? She said he kind of seems like the bad guy, the bad, the bad guy, the bad boy type, you know, which was something that Annie was drawn to because she just wanted to love everybody and wanted to, wanted to fix everything. That was the way that they presumed him. So Detective Moore's evidence was circumstantial about the cell phone ping. Where Annie and Chris were the night of the murder, they didn't have a good cell signal. That's why. So when you don't have a good cell signal, it tries to bounce off all the nearer the nearest towers. Yeah. Constantly trying to find a good signal. Okay, yeah, that makes That's sense. That's why their phones were doing that. There was only one place in the entire region, the entire region, that pinged like Annie and Chris's phones did that night. Okay. Which, yeah, which it was where the pedestrian bridge was over the Jordan River. When Veronica called Chris Bagshaw, he was standing there with Annie in that very moment. He was standing with her. That phone call that Veronica made where the police would lead the police to find out that Chris was indeed there the night of the murder and that Chris hadn't yet killed her. So she wasn't dead at the moment that 
Veronica called? She was not dead at this time. Oh. No. Chris killed Annie a few minutes after talking to Veronica. <sighs> With this evidence, Detective Moore had enough evidence to arrest Chris Backshaw. Which means she had to go to Colorado to get him. Oh, I'd go to Timbuktu to get him. Oh, yeah. I would show my little butt up there real quick. Now, Chris's attorneys did try to keep him in, like, the juvenile court due to his age. Which he was 14 at the time of the murder. And he could get a lighter sentence. But, after hearing both sides of the case, and because Chris is now 17 years old, and how brutal the murder was, the judge decided to charge him with first-degree murder as an adult. Now, Detective Moore also had the FBI profile him. And it was stating that a man that... Um, if they did release him after just two years, um, he would have gotten... Uh, He did an FBI thing, and it stated that he would do this again. He would end up hurting somebody else. He would get into another relationship with a woman, and he would brutally murder her, mm -hmm. too. This is not... It wasn't just like a accidental thing that just happened. Yeah. This is something that would happen again and again. And I believe that's what helped the judge decide that, no, we're going to go ahead and... Because he was profiled as in somebody who would do this. So, while waiting for his hearing, one of Chris's friends come forward and give a statement. Chris told, uh, Chris told his friend that Annie told him that she was pregnant and that he was going to meet her down by the river and they were going to run away together. Then, once, the Jordan, once at the Jordan River, Chris brings a shovel to dig a hole to put Annie's body in it. But the ground was too frozen at this point, so he couldn't dig. I mean, it was complete ice. It's in early, early spring. I don't even think it's considered spring yet. It's still considered winter. So they started arguing about the baby and she told him that she was gonna leave him then. And he told her, no, she wasn't. And then he started hitting her with the shovel. And I'm sorry, this is going to get a little gruesome a little bit. So, bear with me. Um, he started hitting her with the shovel, but she just wouldn't die. Huh. So, he just kept hitting her. And the whole time, Annie is telling him to stop and that she loved him. But he was just calling her horrible names and hitting her. Huh. Then he took the point of the shovel... And pointed it to the middle of her forehead and stomped No! Them. Oh. Yeah. Ugh. Day before court date, Chris Bagshaw actually played guilty to the murder. But not that he was planning on killing her. He just got mad and the shovel was there. And he just used it. But again, they're on a walking trail. They're on a, they're on a walk, walking trail. Why would there be 
a shovel. Yeah. Just laying around out there. It's not a normal thing you'd see. Chris Shaw is sentenced to 15 years in prison. Um, the prison records state that Chris Bagshaw remains in prison at Central Utah Correctional Facility and will be eligible for, for parole in October of 2020, 2031. So he got 15 years. Wow. Just 15 years. That was a brutal murder for 15 years. Just 15 years. years. I mean, I know he was 14 at the time of the murder. I I understand that. But once you you cross over and you are going to file it as an adult, I don't think that you should be only getting 15 years as an adult for murdering somebody else. Well, I think, I think they did it that way because he was so young when it happened. And his, I can't remember what they said it was, but his brain was not fully developed enough to actually be able to I get that anybody that has a teenage under son understands that I mean you have that rage and then you just don't know what to do they, with it so they, you just they kinda... just act before they think they don't think things through they, they just act. automatically react to things at times but the problem is is that he did plan it because he brought the shovel but he intended to do right he so, had the intent because he brought that he that intent, showed it so because it's not something that you just have. And it's not like he had it in his car because he was 14. He couldn't... He wasn't driving. Yeah. No, he was just... So he had to up meet with up with her and carry a shovel from where, his house there to do this. So, yeah. Oh. It's a daisy. I just... And the sad thing is, is that she wasn't even pregnant. Right. You killed her because you didn't want a baby. But you guess what? You didn't baby. have a baby to begin with. And I'm sure it, you have to think. In a couple of months, you'd have noticed. Well, and you have to think that at some point when you're hitting her and that you're doing this, she's got to be yelling at you, I'm not pregnant. Yeah. The jig is up. I'm not. She's fighting. She's I mean, pretty much all it stated was that she, that all she was doing was telling him how much she loved him while he was beating her. I mean, she was, he's, she's, and that's why the defensive yeah. marks were because it was the shovel that was hitting her when she was doing it. it right. Was, and during these defenses, I just, I just can't, imagine. I'm thinking for me, somebody's hitting me trying to kill me because he thinks I'm pregnant. I'm going to be telling him I'm not pregnant. I swear. I'm not pregnant. It was a joke. It was a bad joke. Okay? I was just trying to get some attention. It's a bad <laughs> joke. I'm sorry. You're going to do anything you can to stop it. My bad. Right. My bad. Right. Or <laughs> even, bad. you're not the daddy. Don't worry. I mean, anything. You're going to be saying whatever you can to get him to stop. And this is this walking yeah. bridge that they were meeting on. And he, I don't know. It's yeah, hard to at imagine. At 9 o'clock at night. Here, yeah, well, I mean, in March, it would be 9, it would be dark. I mean, now, 9 o'clock at night right now, this time period, it's still kind of light out, so you could go on and you could have people walking, but 9 o'clock is not that late, you think, as far as people that are working, they have to, if they're going to 
eat dinner and then go walking, they may be out there walking and on this bridge if it's a populated place. I don't know anything about the area, but I would think that runners and things like that, they run in the evenings and do that. So they must have met out there before to know that it wasn't it it usually wasn't populated and I mean, what is this? What did this girl think when he comes know. walking up to her, holding, carrying a a shovel? We're a supposed sho- to be running away together, and you I'll brought understand. a shovel. <laughs> I brought a backpack, but you but have you a, shovel. a shovel. What are you gonna Not tie a thing. bandana around it so you can carry it off like a hobo? B- what was your reasoning, Huckleberry? Right. Fan. I mean, what was your thought of behind? I don't know. They're 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 not teenagers are just you know you hate to say teenagers are not real bright but in some things like this they're just not at least certain ones are not and I don't believe that this one was. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. After so long, they're going to know you're not pregnant, but you're going to go run off with them. Right. I guess at that point she's thinking that. By the time he could find out that I'm not pregnant, I will be pregnant. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she was just, from what Veronica was saying, is that she would just leave and go and try and find anybody, anybody to have a baby with. The only, the really, the smart thing... smart, I'm saying, in quotation mark thing, that this kid did, that um, Chris did, was immediately he blamed it on LJ, this kid who doesn't exist. He kept them for... And there was our, there was a letter already about LJ, too. Yeah. So there had to have been an LJ at some point, or maybe she didn't or up exact, an LJ to make ding, him ding, jealous. Ding, ding, ding. I think she was making him up. That would be my. I thing. would think she made him up because he was this bad boy, and he was a he was a um, he was a, this uh, in the ga- a gang member. Okay, I haven't heard about a lot of gangs in Draper, Utah. I'm not saying there's not any, <laughs> but well, there was one. I mean that Danny Daniel Ferry was a gang right. member and a drug dealer. But so I'm sure there was I'm sure some there people were, there that are a part of a gang. And but this is, you know, this is the suburbs. This is not Right. I mean, she's got a social like worker the, for a mom. This mom, I'm sure, is very hands on and very close with this and, and knowing what her kid's doing. I'm sure she's not allowing her to hang I'm out. I'm pretty with sure the, she was with the drug dealers. Well, I mean, like just, just like the mom was saying in the the documentary that I watched, she was like, you know, she would leave, but she'd come right back. She couldn't, she couldn't go out for long periods right. of time. She had a condition where she just, she was scared to be away. She wanted to be at home. Yeah, long. so she wanted to be at home, even though she was mad and she was aggravated and throwing fits and doing everything else she still had to so how many gang members do you know that are being hooking up with this chick for an hour they tend to you know they want them to be with them all the time train and usually i mean it's it's not just one of the gang members it's all of them 
So, I mean, it, the whole that whole part of the story just didn't make sense to me from the beginning. But, and it didn't help that this... No, but they lost precious time because... And of, they lost that precious time because of this Joanna that wanted to get time off of But, her. I mean, technically, jo Joanna did do a good thing because she did get him for... Somebody, I don't know if she was murdered, but he had brutally assaulted. Yes, but it seems and like Shay, Joanna got... From from that one? Yeah. From that one, he um, he hit her head. He also shaved her hair off, and then he used her head as a dartboard. Oh, what a winner he was. Um... He's a real winner. He really so did is. Joanna just kind of sad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would. Oh, Joanna got off. Well, what I'm, what I'm thinking of is, I'm wondering, did Joanna just confuse that girl's name with the other girl? Was the other girl was her name Anne or something Anne or you know Anne is common enough or what? Yeah, I'm not really sure about that part, but she was mistaken of who she right, was. Right, obviously. I guess they looked similar. Yeah. Or she just didn't know the girl's name, but they looked alike, so she thought it was her or what. But, so there were a lot so of... she was going to try to get off of her fraud charges. So it doesn't seem like Joanna was just trying to make something up to get that. She did know of something. She just had the wrong person. She did. It just was And the wrong. due to that, it, it kept them from... So there were some extenuating circumstances that kept them from finding out about her murder during that first time that's that's what took so long and that's sad but there were people that were trying to help you know like this joanna she was yeah. trying to help well, she didn't realize that she was giving them the wrong person draper is such a small little town from what they're saying i mean it's a small little suburb area so they didn't have a lot of detectives and all of that so i'm sure it was just like one detective with some police officers. Yeah. And then he finally got somebody else in there to help him with this case. And then he becomes sergeant. Yeah. And then he dies. A horrific death, too. Yeah. He thought he was stopping a... Uh, he thought somebody broke down. And when he pulled up to the car, the man shot mm. him. Well, this one was just sad all the way around. All kinds of things. The detective dies. The it was sad all the way around. It really was. But, uh, sorry, but next next week's is not going to... Well, it's still really sad, but it's it's gruesome. I always end up with these disgusting ones. So, but, yeah. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating. Um, you can comment on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, Audible, Samsung Music. Amazon Samsung Music Podcast, and Samsung. <laughs> Amazon Music. <laughs> uh, we also have a couple of other ones on there. If you wanted to, you can look at our website, and it is podbean.com slash Pod. You can also hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on next week's Nightmare, where Alicia's going to be telling us about the disappearance of Zachary Ramsey. Uh, we also have a Facebook and an Instagram. Those are both at Mama's Nightmare Pod. 
where we will be posting pictures from each of the episodes. Also, if you'd like, if you have a suggestion on a case that you would like for us to cover, please leave us an email at mamasnightmarepod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia and Rhonda. We hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Bye. Bye.